sometimes you look back at stuff and it's like, oh my God, I, I want to die. And I'm, I'm going to stop being a musician because that's the worst <laughs> shit I ever heard. Welcome to the Dream Studios podcast. Thanks for coming back for another episode. My name is Hogue, and I'm the recording and mixing engineer here at the Dream in South Austin, Texas. Today, my guest is J.D. Torian. J.D. is a middle-aged man with a crazy family history, a successful business background, and a wife and two kids. He lives comfortably, which is a word I've always had trouble pronouncing, he lives comfortably in an Austin neighborhood nestled near a greenbelt, a nature preserve here in Austin, a spot of which he avails himself frequently. The other spot he likes to visit is his home studio on the bottom floor of his house. It's where his drum machines, his synths, his guitars, basses, and uh, a full drum set live, and where he mines the depths of his psyche to create music that sounds at once retro and modern, which is an achievement I think most artists whether they know it or admit it or not, uh, aim for. J.D. has been a musician his whole life, but he placed his musical pursuits on the hobby shelf, so to speak, in order to start a family, build a business, uh, something he'll explain to you more himself. But for now, I'll just give away some of the ending. He's now sold his business, has settled into a semi-retired state, and has launched himself anew into his identity as a creative musician. J.D. and I know each other through a funny set of circumstances that I'll have him explain, but I will tell you that we made an album together here at The Dream in 2018. He wrote a wonderful batch of catchy, rootsy, synthy, I'll call it robot rock, and I'm sure he'll have something to say about that. Uh, he, wrote, he wrote it under the name Delivery Service, and there's a story there, too. But the album was called Mute, and I actually played drums on it, which was very fun for reasons, again, I'll have to postpone. We'll describe shortly. But there's a lot to talk about with JD. He has quite a story, so we should probably cut to the chase. But first, let's take a listen to a little bit of one of his tracks. This one is from a song called City Hall. I love that tune. It feels like a 90-mile-per-hour drive down the freeway. J.D., <laughs> JD, welcome to the Dream Studios podcast. Uh, please say hello to me. Hi, Hogue. How are you? Hey, I'm good. What did you think of the intro? I think that it is very flattering, and I appreciate it. And um, I'm not going to comment on the robot rock thing. Well, I get what you're saying. Do you? Like, I do. I don't take issue with that at all. How do we know each other, JD? Can you can you We know each other through uh Austin the the former go-to Austin pizza place. You almost worked there. Or no, you did work there. I did work. Your there. brother had an interview, but your brother skipped the interview, but you came in his place. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you got the job. You left, I bought the company. And but they were still friends of yours, and then we all 
friends and ex-employees and colleagues, we all just met and became friends. So I was in the process of selling the company, but it took forever, right? Because it just, it just takes a long time to unwind all that crap. So I had a lot of time on my hands. But one of the first things that came up is we had signed up for the corporate battle of the bands. And I had really um, intended to do some kind of American Idol thing where I was going to, out of the 300 employees, I was going to audition everybody and put together this this crack kind of super Austin's Pizza band. And Austin's Pizza was the name of the company. And it was going to be the best of the best. But I forgot about it because I was selling the company and I was kind of doing a bunch of other stuff. And then they called like with two weeks before the show. They're like, hey, we we need the name of your band and the people in it. I was like, uh, I got, I'll get right back to you. I was like, cripes, what am I going to do? So I called you and your brother, Bonesaw, and y'all were totally game. And so I went through and picked out y'all's songs. And I remember I sent out, I, I kind of said, here are the full service songs that are my favorite. And here are some covers. And I suggested <laughs> an Oasis song. And uh, uh, Bonesaw was just like veto, hard <laughs> veto. Like, like no negotiation on that. It's like, okay. So we all, so... I'd been in this songwriting group since about 2016. I, I, I was always a bass player playing for people. So I joined this songwriting group and I, I started writing. And by the time this came up and you guys are like, well, what about, do you have any songs? And I was, cause I guess I'd lied to you guys too and said I was a writer sometime in the past, but at that point had songs because I'd been in the songwriting group. So I sent y'all a bunch and it's kind of like, what the fuck is this, right? Like it was really cool. Yeah, we had, we did we had we did not know anything about your <laughs> musical pursuits, really. Right, which is the best response, right? You want people to go, you know, oh, cool, man, is the worst because that doesn't say anything. But like, what the hell is this? And then you're like, let's do your songs at the gig. Absolutely. I was just like, oh my god. So anyway. And if you don't know Austin, uh, the Moody Theater is the number one venue. Is that disputable that the Moody Theater? No, it's. It, it, I don't it, think it is. So we opened up the show. It was me, you, and then James, who was a friend of mine who, who played keyboards. Oh, James. Yeah, and then and then how we all met Reed was Reed worked for us, and he had just rolled off the voice. And Reed was and, the singer. And Reed was the singer because there's no way I I I just wasn't. I was doing this because I just wanted to write and just always could sing back up appropriately and stuff like that. So anyway, we had two rehearsals, came in like good, like solid. We went out there and nailed it, right? Yeah, like, definitely. And weren't weren't nervous. It sounded good. Like the the whole th we all looked good. Which is important too. We all, we all looked really good. Yeah, right. So so anyway, we all came off stage slapping high fives. We're like, we're making a record. And I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And like three days later, we had a rehearsal. And the next day, Reed's like, I don't want to do it. You know, I think he made the right call. So Reed is another, 
he worked in some capacity, I think, in marketing at Austin's Pizza, and that's how mm-hmm. you kind of got everybody semi-legitimately involved in this corporate battle of the bands. We all technically at one point worked at Austin's Pizza. so Arguably an Austin's Pizza band. Right. So um, under that umbrella, we got together. But Reed right. had just come. He was fresh off The Voice, and he's going to have an episode. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to release this, if, he'll, if his will come before or after yours, but... Uh, Reed had a, a, a very successful run on The Voice, so he had in his mind his own project going on. But I think that was a blessing in disguise that he refused because it brought your voice to the picture. So how it happened was, you know, Reed was really riding that wave, and then you guy, you and Bonesaw, talked to me, and they're like, "Hey, you, you really need to do these songs." You know, technically, Reed is just a different level. And the level is higher, well, a different he, level. No, no question, JD. Well, let me, he's, better, let me finish. he's better than you. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> totally, right? But insofar as fit, you know, you guys were like, your voice fits this music better. And then Reed separately said it to me, too. I was like, and I, I really was at a point in my life where I was just saying, you know, largely, well, fuck it. The world is pushing, pushing me in a certain direction. I'm going to go in that direction and we're just going to record this record. Yeah. And uh, then um, then we did. I mean, you 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 picked the songs. I, I was like, I didn't know Jack. And you had recorded 100 full service records yourself. So, like, let Hogue pick the songs. Tell me what to do. What need fixes. What's, you know, it's like an editor, right? Right. More here, less here. Don't ever play this song ever again to anyone. I wanted to get into the tracking process a little bit. And um, just from my my perspective, I thought one of the things that was so fun for me when you brought this project into this into the dream was that you you wanted the spirit of your original, and we both did, uh, the spirit of your original drum machine, the original drum machine tracks that you had underneath the demos but um we thought it'd be cool to to make a bigger drum sound with a real drum kit and um the funny thing for me was that uh you had these drum loops that you crafted that were not things a drummer would (laughs) would naturally sit down and play because i i've never really used a drum machine actually but writing beats on a drum machine i think leads to a different rhythmic approach so it was kind of crazy for me to re- to try to recreate them i'm thinking of something like the beat from uh up all alone well let's let's play a little bit of up all alone right here taking my time walking through lines boom pop bam rocks against your window breaking through trees littered with leaves days without beginning never seems to end So like that that drum beat there is is pretty strange. I would never in a million years sit down and write that beat. The, <laughs> the kick snare hi hat relationship is subverted in a subversive way. That is not elegantly expressed, but you know what I mean. So I just want you to talk a little bit about your demo process, how you hope to stay true to the vision of the demos, but perhaps widen the scope by bringing them into in here and doing some different things. I, so I use Ableton to record at home, and I've got the push to thing. I just start hitting buttons, right? <laughs> you, you, 
<laughs> you just go one, two, three, four, right? So it's four, you start with four on the floor, then you take away, then you add, and then it's like, what do these up here on the the third row up do? I don't know what those are. And you start like doing that. So like that pattern, that pattern came from um, the inbuilt sequencer on a little uh, synth called the OP1 by Teenage Engineering. And it just, uh, I just hit a button and that's what it did. And there's this, they have a gorilla sequencer. I don't know what it's called, but it shows a gorilla playing drums. And so I was just trying to make him do stuff, and that's what happened. I think it turned out pretty cool. Like at some points in some of the tracks, we would play with a little bit of the drum machine underneath, right. maybe feature it at some times, and then bring out the real drums. Yeah, I mean, my idea is to, to have something usable and then bring it in and out, you know, just just to have options. And it just um, it also gives a really like in the 80s, you watch uh, ZZ Top go from this boogie band, that amazing three piece band. And then they got hold of the synthesizers and the drum machines, which did a whole new groove for Eliminator. Mm-hmm. So, so even though in Texas we grew up with the '70s version, the '80s version to me was so much groovier, mm. wh- which is terrible. But it's like my so I started listening to music closely in like 1978, and the imprint from '78 to like '84 was 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 these. It's really the last time, except for samplers, that knew a new instrument was, you know, drum machines were available and synthesizers were available. So you could have these sequence tracks linked up to the drum machine. So you had this tightness that had never been achieved before. Yeah. And so that's the basis of my of of my whole makeup, you know, and you you grow up listening to country music and blues music and, you know, rock here. And um, and then you throw that on top of it, and it just that's that's kind of it just sounds good to me to start with that super synthesized fake base of things. The only thing that I can't effectively work in is my mandolin because it uh, just sounds it sounds like the Hooters. And uh, just, okay, you know the Hooters. I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's just too far. It's too much, or it sounds like mid-period REM, which I have enough of that influence going anyway. I don't necessarily hear it as strong as some people. I don't, you know, I get I get that, and I get talking heads a lot, and I don't particularly hear either of them. Now, there's, I do like the talking heads, but I, I you, when you talk about imprinting in subconsciously, I've listened to a lot of REM. I don't really do it now so much you know i listen to the like i still listen to the first ep the chronic town ep all the time probably monthly i I think you know the vocal phrasing and kind of the the it 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 can sound like i still have my hanger in my shirt a little bit it's a little stilted but that's just interesting way to describe it not not in a bad way it's super stiff but um somebody what did somebody described it as like upright or something and I never really took that bad because I just I just feel like it it comes out my way. 
It's uh, that the shirt hanger thing is is pretty good. It's a right, but you do this thing where you kind of self compress it and half hold your breath, like hurdles yeah. holding to the regulation fine, <laughs> lining up lines, losing my mind. You know, it's like it's like listening to a mirror. Yeah, <laughs> but it has it. You know, you have a it. You you give a lot of bass to your voice. You have a little bit of distortion in there. Don't you want it? I wanted to ask you about your writing process, specifically coming from an identity as, I think you you would would probably identify yourself first and foremost as a bassist. Yes. Um, So how does that inform your uh, writing process? Do bass grooves come first and you put things on top of that or do you start, uh, just go? No, I mean, bass is like the afterthought of afterthoughts. Hmm. Because I'm, you know, so... When I come down here and I'm here now, I just kind of, I make sure that, and we've we've talked about this a number of times because I've talked at you about it a lot of, of kind of the John Cleese method of, mm. are you are you playing around or are you are you working? Yeah, that's right. There was a cool thing you shared with us years ago, John Cleese, um, talking about creativity and making time for creativity, and the most important thing about it is is uninterrupted time. And there's sort of a guilt associated sometimes for an artist, I think, with taking a lot of time to create, but it's absolutely necessary. So I make sure that I, I'm kind of farting around, but I'm I'm here to to grab something. So I'm playing. And it's like playing. The best stuff comes from the acoustic. Obviously, so many people work that way, and I do that. And if I've got something, then I get it down. And then I take it out of there and I put it on one of these keyboards. Yeah. And I and then I try to do it there. And then if it can come back to the guitar, then I'm there. And <laughs> right. So it it takes a detour. And then if if it by chance comes back, then fine. But if not, right. But I, I guess and I say the bass is an afterthought. It's like because that's just brainless. I just I just put it on there and whatever. I trust myself enough to know that that. That will be the right thing. Whereas mm. a keyboard, I get like I really got to work with it because I can't. I can program, but I'm not the greatest player. But I can. I play the the guitar the way I want to, um, and I, I have to think about that less. But the bass is just it's the fun part for me because I just do it. With a song like City Hall, there's not. I mean, it's a drone. It's basically a drone note for a long time. There's there's. One and a half chords. One and a half chords. Yeah. You had like a like a ZZ Top aesthetic to the guitars and the and the driving drums, but then there was this weird. We auto tuned for an effect on your voice. Uh, yeah, I don't. Think do you it, know? Do you know why that started? No. So I'm in the songwriting group, and you have to turn in your song by Sunday. And if you don't turn it in by Sunday, you're kicked out of the group, and you can't do the rest of the semester. So I'd recorded the whole song before I went out of town. But so I'm in my room in Colorado. I put my headphones on to mix the song, and my voice is totally screwed. Like <laughs> something was wrong, and I wasn't. I was singing. I can get real pitchy if I don't pay attention, and it was so I I. 
I had to like auto tune the hell out of it with a program that's not even really appropriate for that. But it turned out to be really cool. Not to mention the lyrics are just completely fucked up. And yeah, what are you talking about? So as if you have a business and especially like a cash business to where you where you collect sales tax, there's nothing scarier than the tax assessor collector. Okay. Like and and you still on the twentieth yeah. of every month, I'm kind of like, oh, it's time to pay that. You know, whatever. No one likes paying taxes, and they're the scariest. I one time I had an employee who didn't pay him for two months, and I've never been so white knuckled, scared in all my life. Uh-huh. Like, not I'm not a guy who gets all stressed out, but it's like not sleeping, freaking out. Uh, I had to call. Uh, I knew somebody who knew a guy, and it ended up. All you have to do with the government is call somebody that's above the other guy to fix your problems. You just got to find the guy above the guy. <laughs> yeah. So, so also being in in real estate, um, you have to. City Hall's a messed up place. Okay. Let, pause one second. Let me let me just let me just spoken word these for a second. <laughs> okay. So these are the words to to delivery services. City Hall. Slip on helter-skelter, white-pressed uniform. Lace up tinny runner vans, true to form. Since about the seventh grade or 1982, heading out to do what I always get to do. Take your problems down to City Hall, where they like to deal with issues most of all. Take up issues down at City Hall, where grown-ups always argue and interns stall. Hurdle hurdles, hurling regulation fines. Lining up lines, losing my mind. Filling in forms with nasty old pens. When's the last time I wrote? I don't know when. Take your printouts down to City Hall. If it were all up to me, I'd just kill it all. Take up problems down at City Hall. No problem solvers. Head on chargers having a ball. Issues so big, especially in the fall, wintertime, summertime, spring all y'all. Taking up issues down at City Hall, where it's all taken care of if you know who to call. So, like, I... I'm... Sometimes you look back at stuff and it's like, oh my God, I I want to die and I'm I'm going to stop being a musician because that's <laughs> the worst shit I ever heard. But like, that's like, those are good words. Like if you've ever tried to get something done with any regulated body, mm. it will drive you crazy. And you just are looking at the person's like, you, can I curse here? Absolutely. It's like you're the motherfucker standing in between me and my new fence. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. You, do, I, you know, it's just like, or you're opening a new pizza restaurant. It's like, you, the toilet needs to be one inch from what? <laughs> I'm gonna like, kill you. <laughs> are you what? What is it like? It's like you can't say I'm gonna kill you. So you have to say I'm just gonna kill. I'm gonna shut the pizza restaurant because you also think that too. Yeah. So it's like I, I'm just gonna sell the house. I just kill it. I oh, hate kill this. it all. Right. Kill yeah, it all. Just, right. I'm just going to just let go of all this stuff. Anything that requires city hall interaction, I quit. Right. I'm going to move out to the country where there's no city, where it's county. I see. I see. Hurdle, hurdles, hurling, regulation, fines is a great, is a great line. Yeah, because you got to jump over all those hurdles. And if you're jumping over a hurdle, you're hurdling it. And they're yeah. hurling those things at you, right? Yeah. 
take your printouts down to City Hall. The drudgery. Right. I, and that imagery, just, uh, I got to print this shit out so I can go take it down to City Hall. Right. I it's love it. I love it. Okay, good City Hall analysis. Yeah, I took it to City Hall. And then there's that section, like I think you referred to earlier, where we do have a little bit of the drum machine underneath. And at the stop, you can hear it trickle out in the right. mix. And let's cut to that real quick. Yeah, so it's this massive sound, and then we cut everything, and it's just the drum right. machine. And that awful Tamguro noise, which is the best. <laughs> um, I But to, also, go ahead. don't forget, like, that one of the best parts on that album is, is your drum break, that we left too long. Because a lot of things that go on for too long, you're like, dude, you want to do this too long like that for? It's like, why not? It's like, trust me, don't. But that we left too long because it really worked. Boom, ba da ka ka, boom, ba da ka da ka, boom, da da, boom, ba da ka da ka, boom, ba ba da, don't da ba ka ba da, boom, brr, do, you know. I want to ask you, uh, uh, this is a little bit of a, what were your concerns coming into the studio? Any vulnerabilities? What did you think might stand in the way of achieving your vision? Because I know, you know, having gone into numerous studios over the years, uh, it's a nerve wracking process. And there are times when you're not sure it's all going to work out. Did you have any moments like that? or I wanted it to be better. And I didn't know how bad the demos were until we finished the record. Oh, better <laughs> than the to beat the right. demos. Okay. Yeah, because it's like, you know, you hear all this demo magic, or mm-hmm. you used to tell me I have demo-itis. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say but, that. But, what an obnoxious thing to say. Yeah. That's what studio engineers say. Yeah, but it's like, I, I didn't... The real thing is, like, I was scared that it was just kind of a, a catchy little four-track magic thing I did. In some cases. And so you're like, oh, shit, this is really going to expose this. And I hadn't done that before because I'd been keistering all these songs for so long. It's like, you know, there, there's real comfort in not showing everybody your shit, right? Yeah. Because they're like, oh, maybe he's good. Maybe he's not. But once you show people, it's like it's out there and it's subjective. So that was that was my concern. I just, you know, I just had a voice in my head of Bonesaw listening to this podcast and be like, what the fuck? You didn't talk about any of my solos. So let's let's just talk about one of Bonesaw's solos. Um, is there one in particular? The best Bonesaw. There's a lot of really great um, moments uh-huh. on the record. But my my most favorite moment is the entire Tell It To Me. And um, Oh, when, fuck yeah. When he does the break before uh-huh. the, you know, that weird part? Yeah. And he goes up to those high notes and bends them. Yeah. Where if you know, like, Bone Saw's solo position, where he's got the yeah. guitar going 90 degrees, <laughs> yeah. you can just, I just see it every time. I Dude, you I know. remember opening the session, and it just pumping out of the speakers when that spot came. He's like, dude, open up, tell it to me, and go straight to the bridge. 
and I open it up, and it's just, of course, he has it. Whenever he does that shit, he Go just to cr- me. cranks his part. Yeah, <laughs> but but it sounded awesome, and I was like, ooh, this is so tasty, and now... It's like, that is what rock and roll is all about, that part. Near, 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 you know, and just like, that's it. I don't know how to say this without sounding like a douche, but it's like, that song makes me tear up sometimes. Because it's so big, right? Is that the... Where did we It's number seven, I think. Okay. Tell It To Me is a wild song. When I listen to that song, it's like, if if people... So part of the problem you have when you're known for one thing, that you're like generally known as the pizza guy, and then you make a record, everybody's like, oh, shit. Here comes here comes the business guys for the right. real estate record, you know, with a real estate song on it, right? Mm-hmm. But if I play "Tell It to Me" for people, there's like, you can't say that's not real shit, right? Right. It's ambitious. There's a real vision. It's a real effort. The intro. Usually, I don't really like intros that are that are kind of uh, yeah that you can fast forward through. But this one is so dark and strange that I want to live in that intro for even longer than it exists. With just like eight Roland Junos piled on top of each other. Yeah, because you're like, it's like, when are you done? It's like, dude, it takes a long time to mix all those tracks. Yeah. (laughs) All those goddamn synths he would send. I was like, what are you sending? Why just right. just, just send him in one There's step? There's more? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but I wanted the control over all of them. But it was still like, God, eight synths. Do you remember that book? High, did you ever read the book High Fidelity? No, I have not. But is that the one they turned the movie into a movie? Okay. Yeah, so there's a really cool part when the the guy comes into his house to have dinner with his parents. He's a total loser. And there's a picture of him when he was five years old, all happy. And he walks in and looks at the picture. He's like, I'm sorry. You know, he's like <laughs> always apologizing to the pictures. Like if five-year-old me heard that song or 10 or, you know, 80s, early 80s me, it's like, you're doing that at 40 what? You know, it's, it's the reverse. Like, you're saying, nice job. Right. It's like that, that to me sounds like the ultimate in like musical statement for me. Cool. That's great. That's great to hear. Um, what's also cool about that in, in terms of, uh, you know, my personal experience listening to it is that uh, we, that's the delivery service band that performed at that show right. that we talked about at the yeah. beginning of the podcast. Um, so we had Bones on guitar, me on drums, you're on bass, I think, and you're on synths. Maybe you played ja- guitar? And ja- we tried to get James in to come play, and he was doing, I've got something to do, J.D. Oh, I got something to do, J.D. I've got something to do. I can't make it down. If you're listening, James, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why we just imitated an English it's out accent. Of love. Like a couple of assholes. But yeah. um, miss you, man. That was a fun time we had. But And then we had... Uh, then, we, then you had Reed on the, the vocals at the end. So you do the, the first, you know, right. few verses, and then you guys, yeah, and you coalesce at the end into a, into a harmony, into a duet. Um, it would be a duet if you hadn't mixed me so low. Did I? Part. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to listen to see if how low I mixed you. But I, It I, sounds like when we do a long me, and I'm 
and I'm singing under him, yeah. it makes me say, like, I'm telling you, if we would have done that band, it would have worked. Yeah. Wait, So, but you're saying I mixed you too low. Well, that well, I can hear it, though. You know, okay. when he's he's me and I'm me, you know, what, whatever note I'm singing and we're we're drawing that out. Yeah. No vibrato, no nothing. Right. It's like that is quite a moment. The other thing I was going to say about Tell It To Me was that it's an interesting arc to the song. It starts like, you know, doom electronica, and then it ends in this hopeful vehicle for... Basically, it, it ends in like a voice performance for Reed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, totally. One of the things about having like the drum machine intro and then the real drums come in, which is something we employed... Uh, you know, a handful of times in this record was that the drop is so much bigger because there's a thin aspect to a drum machine, and then we had like the big low Boom. end. Yeah. The rock. The other thing I love about Tell It To Me is that I like songs where the verses have like a pretty quick spurt of vocal. Like, so in this case, like, and then it cools out with an instrumental yeah. for a while. And yeah, then like there's a inch, there's a keyboard lick. Yeah, and especially when like the vocal lines melody free right and it's mm -hmm. kind of modal in a sense you know yeah. i guess in mandolin they'd call it modal when it's kind of not i guess musical is the wrong term but it's just like it's just talking basically getting hit down can't have the feeling i know yeah. deep inside it's just like not doing anything it kind of finds a laser focus and right Almost like right. a chant or like a monastic thing or something. Yeah. Um, so anyway, aren't we great? Didn't we yeah, make a great so album? <laughs> uh, we are just about out of time, but I did want to ask you some some more fun questions. Um, I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, I, I realize you know most of the time the guests are uh, here at the studio. Um, but you're you're not you're recording remote. We're FaceTiming. Uh, but if you remember anything about the the room where we track, what do you have a favorite item in that room, uh, or a favorite poster, or a favorite aspect to the room, a favorite design aspect? I really so um, I have a much 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 younger sister, and we have kind of we're very competitive about reading books. And last year I read fifty six. And she like read ninety somethings like totally unfun. Damn. Yeah. Both of you. Nerd, that's good. Nerd alert. Yeah. But anyway, I just love looking at the books up mm. on the shelf. So so in in the dream, there's there's this high shelf almost to the ceiling, of like, 
You know, like you go in a restaurant and they've got a little choo-choo train that goes around the top of the <laughs> yeah, restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You guys, it's a book train. Yeah. And there's just like hundreds of paperback books. I just stare at them the whole time. No, I'm just like, I'm going to borrow that book, you know, and there's like an odd, like one time, you know how you have the little picture for, for, um, your contact on your phone. Yeah. I took a picture of you on one of the posters, but I moved and it's like you playing the drum with a little tiny baby arm. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's great. No offense to baby arms. No. Yeah. We're not talking shit on baby arms. No, it's just a, it's it just worked then. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, a couple more questions. What was your favorite like social moment about recording here? Not not having anything to do with tracking or something that uh, that tightened our bond. It could be you know we texted a lot. I'll I'll go ahead and just say what mine was. <laughs> it was... We we were constantly texting through this process, and we would. We're two pretty strong-headed individuals, and sometimes I don't like the way you text, JD. And sometimes I, you would dance you and around Reed and answer. Have unified on that, like you're terrible. You're unclear. The way you communicate is bullshit. Basically, is the message I got. I'd send you a mix, and you'd be like, "Oh my god," <laughs> and I wouldn't hear from you for a day. I'd be like, "Dude, what does that mean? Am I on the right track? Like, cut the shit. Let's." Yeah. Uh, it was maddening, but in the, in hindsight, of course, it was it's darling. Yeah. Now, <laughs> so when we started, I was kind of better buddies with Bonesaw, and then we ended up like <laughs> just shitting on Bonesaw the whole time. <laughs> like we became super tight and just like oh Bonesaw. Yeah. And he was like he he was like hard to to like he'd do his parts when no one was around and I all know. this stuff. It's like really. Hard to nail him down, and he's like getting mad and stuff. It's like, oh, I got you. Yeah, I got forty-five minutes to come in and cut some solos. Right, right. I gotta do this. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're gonna wrap up here, but I wanted to ask you. Um, you know, I know we're in the still firmly in the pandemic era, but uh, you're gonna get back out there and start performing once things open up even more. Uh, t- talk to us about any performance or recording plans coming up. So I still like there's a little neighborhood club in my in my uh, neighborhood. So I do that monthly. You know, 2019, I had over 50 shows. It was amazing. Really learned how to do it solo acoustic, um, which I'd never done until like the day before the record came out. Uh, because y'all were supposed to play with me and I had to do it solo, which was great. That's very much in the spirit of, look, this is the way it's going to go. So I'm going to do it. I'm not going to miss this opportunity. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, I've kind of worked a foot keyboard into things and, um, just I've kept writing. I have four, four records worth of material. One we're talking about doing, um, but now I don't send you 40 songs. I can send you 12 songs and you can pick the eight to nine that you want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and just kind of more, more rootsy, but I've, I've already said that, but I've already snuck. I'm trying to do basic tracks right Mm -hmm. now for it and, you know, just get in and do it again. It's, it's, it's just so nice to have too much material. 
And there's so much that's not out there. And one of the things you learn to say when people say, I like your record is thank you and not, oh my gosh, the new stuff is so much better. I know. (laughs) No one wants to hear that, right? But then you come back to it and it's like, holy shit, I'm so glad we did it. Right. There's a crucial time where you enough time goes by and you fall in love with it again. Yeah, this is really a snapshot of of who I was then mm-hmm. and what was going on. And when I listened to it, I can remember all the stuff that was that was going on. And it was just like really, really a special deal. Yeah. And we got to get you back in here. We got to get the mandolin on the, the Rootsy record if we go that direction. The Hooters record. Yeah. It's happening. That will be good. But uh, J.D. Torian a.k.a. Delivery Service. You can find uh, both of those names on whatever streaming service you use to listen to your music. Check them all out. I hope you enjoy his music. I hope you enjoyed hearing us talk about his music. J.D., thank you for joining us on the Dream Studios podcast today. Thank you, Hogue. What should we take them out on? You tell me the track to put on at the end here. Evening High. I was going to say go, but fine. We'll do. We'll do. <laughs> I was always a fan of go, and you're like, yeah, it's okay. I'm not. All right, we'll go with Evening High, which, by the way, there's a there's a music video for, which we 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 found some old Western footage and uh, made a video for it. That's on YouTube. You somewhere. cut it perfectly. It's, it turned out really cool. That it, it was more like less like a mu- music video and more like we found an old movie and the the music just scored it. You know. Yeah, it just it. It, it worked great. All right, so here's what that song sounds like. You can find the video on YouTube. Um, thanks for listening. See you later.
The Dream Studios podcast is brought to you by PuppetTelegrams.com. Think of someone in your life. Would they love getting a personalized telegram from a puppet? Of course they would. You choose the puppet. That's the fun part. Will it be Wingo the Bat, lovable and dim-witted? Will it be Lionel the Lion, who is blustery and proud? Maybe you'll choose Layla the Chicken, sarcastic and edgy, or Vitaly the Monster, an excitable force of nature. After that, you provide some quick details about your recipient to help the puppet telegram be as personalized as possible. It's a quick and easy way to make someone laugh for quite literally any occasion. A birthday, anniversary, graduation, promotion, get well, congratulations, retirement, I miss you, and my favorite, just because. You don't have to be a kid to crack up at... You don't have to be a kid to crack up at one of these telegrams, and the messages can be anywhere from wholesome to edgy and everywhere in between. To get you started, the puppets are giving you a $10 coupon. Just use the code LAUGH, that's L-A-U-G-H, if you decide to order a puppet telegram from puppettelegrams.com.